Golight presents the Talking Bollocks podcast. Boom, episode 71 of the Talking Bollocks podcast, is it? I think it is, eh? <laughs> Brought to you by Gowlout, the home of Irish podcast. It's me, Terry Flower. It's me, COB. And this week, we're joined by... Christy Dignam. I'm just looking at you said bollocks, and that says bollocks. So which is it, bollocks or bollocks? Oh, it's say bollocks. Bollocks, yeah. So that should be OIGX, not OX. No, that's a valid point. I'm not going to argue with you about now, but... I think we're too far gone, Chris. Tell Roddy Doyle's wrong. Hey, yeah. I have a tattoo on the back of my leg. Oh, you're gonna have to get that sorted. I'll have to show. Oh, I'll tell you a story about tattoo, right? So one day I was at the doing something on my board, right? And I, I into that, Mike, Chris. Sorry, I was at the doing something on my board, and I was in a bit of fucking what? You in know, the doghouse. In the doghouse over. So I said I'll get a tattoo of a fucking of our um, spare sign, right? So I went into Johnny Eagle, and uh, I said, look, I said, and she says, what is she? And I said, she's not a fucking little little fucking spidery out. So you put the scorpion on my ankle, right? So I went home and said, God, what do you think of that? She's fucking cancer, which is a crab. We have a fucking scorpion <laughs> on the foot. <laughs> she believed that was in fucking was was, He wasn't even allowed in the doghouse after that. Yeah. Gobs, just you saying about your tattoo there. Sleeping on the floor. So I still have this scorpion on my leg, so I'm trying to look for a board that's Scorpio. <laughs> and ditch me on board. Anyway, there you go. Have you any more tattoos? I have a, a line on my shoulder there, an Aslan, because Aslan's a line. And if it just annoy there on my other shoulder. But I, I got into tattoos before I got into all these sleeves and all that carry on, you know. Yeah. I'm not mad into all that now, to be honest. I seen a bloke today, look deadly. He has a whole face tattooed. Did you ever see him? Mm. Oh, you always see him around his head, the body. Yeah, mm. yeah. His oh, whole you, head now. He's scared. Not been I think it's really? dead. I was going to show, give him a shout out to the car. I think he looks great because he's a character. Do you know what I mean? He's like a man boom boom years ago. Remember the. Yeah. The, the, all that. I like, you know, characters, Dublin characters. You don't have to be the fucking same, so you don't. No, you're right. I know, but face tattoos. I know, yeah. Like, I wouldn't it? do it. I wouldn't even get a tattoo on my hands. Like, yeah. Because years ago you had to... If, the Indian if, ink. No, yeah. but if you got a tattoo on your hand, you kind of ask you, are you sure you want to do this? Years ago, Johnny Eagle and all, because it was all visible, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Put on your boat race, man. You'd be on. Yeah. <laughs> my dad got his initials on his arm before, and I remember he got it removed. They cut it off. Yeah. And he stitched his the star, The scar is worse than the fucking tattoo. Yeah. What, they cut it off? Yeah, he had his initials here, and yeah. uh, on, like on his arm. and they He probably cut. done it himself, did he? Yeah, yeah. that's what he did. Uh, he, he was telling me they all did it when they were about yeah. 16 or something. Yeah, he used to get a needle and just a bit and of... That's what he did, there. yeah. And he... He cut the tattoo off and he stitched the two bits of skin together then on either side of it. Yeah. Do you do it with a laser now? Yeah. But you still have a white patch where they think. Yeah, it fades out or will. Yeah. Uh, I was only talking to Yumpler the other day. He has a cross on his thumb. Right. And he was going to get it removed and he showed me then. Like, Why was he getting it removed? Didn't like it. He got it done. He said he was out of his head and he got it done. And, uh, Everybody just be out of head, yeah. don't you, when he got tattoos done? <laughs> he said he, he got a cross there, he didn't like it because he has other tattoos on his hand and that just sticks out. And he, he got the laser on and it, it's just all white then, yeah. bubbles up. Yeah, it's too painful. The whole, yeah, even the tattoo. My, my daughter, my daughter's loads of tattoos, right? So she was about 16 and she asked me to get a tattoo. So you had to give your permission if they're under 18 and all that carry on. So I went there, brought her down to the tattoos and fingers at the time. So she got in, she'd sit in the chair, you know, and the tattoo would come out. They started and she looked up at me and says, you're my dad, you're supposed to stop me doing things like this. 
was going to punch the bleeding head off. Yeah. I thought I was being a great dad, real cool and all, do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> she still has the tattoos. She's loads of tattoos now. Yeah, they're supposed to be addictive though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. When well, you get into them. I got forced into the town mine. I'm not into tattoos. Yeah, no, neither am I really, you know. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't like all the sleeves and the legs and all. I seen a board there a while ago and she's like stockings, tattoos, yeah. you know, suspenders and stuff. Yeah. Ah, like oh, good. Like a whole, down, whole legs and all. It's so. Yeah. Childish not, like. When she's 80, man, that's not gonna look cool, is it? Yeah, I know, but you're not thinking that far ahead, eh? Man. No. Like, you look you look good now. Do you ever see people have like on that toy? Do you have a tattoo? When yeah. are you ever gonna show that off? I know. Going yeah. around a pair of ball shrangers and holidays, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, Boy, going on my tangents already, we are, yeah? yeah. Christy, we're gonna jump into the zingers, yeah? Do you remember the zingers? Yes. Right. But jumping into them, right? We'll get right. the two shite ones out of the way first, yeah? What do you call that on the top of your bottle there? That? Yeah. Bottle top. A bottle top? What do you mean? I don't know what you call it. Call it a cock. Cock? No, a cock is made out of cock. Yeah, I know where you're coming from, but like on every bottle, you know, the twisty one and all. That's a bottle top. No, a cock is just a cock. Yeah, but you don't like a bottle of seven up and you... you That's not a cock. What, what do you call that then? Bottle top. As well. As well? Of course, yeah. It's only a cock if it's a cock and wine or something. Yeah, but you're not calling it like a lid or a cap? A cap, yeah, you'd call it a cap, yeah. A cap. I never thought. I just never thought of it before. It's a weird question. Oh, call all them. A That's cop. one of the weirdest questions. I'm forty years with getting asked questions. That's the fucking weirdest <laughs> question I've ever asked. Fucking well, hell, yeah. Right, that is talking bollocks, man. Uh, a cap, twenty nine percent. A lid, seventy one percent of people. Yeah, a lid. So more yeah, a lid would be on jam or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a lid because it's a big round yoke. Yeah. But uh, that's a bottle top. Yeah, that was. I know what I'd call it. It's a cock if it's a, if it's in a bottle. A lid off the jar. What would you call it, a lid? Jim John. I don't know. We deal with this every week and we're always wrong. Yeah. We're People have be giving us some abuse, Christy. Why? The fuck you on about when all <laughs> this, that. You that two ticks. And well, we got abuse over this one. What's that called that you're wearing there? A hoodie. Oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> We'd call her a jumper. <laughs> We'd call her a jumper. No, you're not a jumper. A jumper has to be made out of wool. Someone said that to us as well. Someone texted us down. Someone said those. If, if you can knit me a fucking hoodie, man, I'll call it a jumper. <laughs> this is a hoodie. Do you know what it is? I know what's called the hoodie. I'll just call her a jumper. Oh, did you ever see somebody say, I seen a bloke robbing a bike there, and he's wearing a jumper. You don't see, he's wearing a hoodie. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? So, what would you call it without a hood then? You know what them ones? If it's not a sweatshirt. A sweatshirt? Yeah. Very posh. You wouldn't call it a sweatshirt, Christy. I'll lie to us. I don't know what to call it. I wouldn't wear it if I hadn't got a hood. It's only a jumper if you knit, I swear to God. Yeah, someone said that to us. There's something about the material. It's only a hoodie if it has a hood. A cardigan is when it's a hoodie, when there's a thing with your buttons that throws or a zipper or something. That's a cardigan. Yeah. So if it hasn't got a zipper or buttons around, then it's a jumper. I suppose suppose you call it a jumper. I wouldn't be offended if somebody called it. (laughs) Yeah. But I just call it a sweatshirt or something. Right, we get them out of the way. 39% say jumper, 61% say hoodie. Right, this is a good one now, Chrissy. Get the shine ones out of the way. This is a very good one. This is a good one for you, right? Right, go on. Would you rather only listen to. I I know your answer, anyways. Would you rather only listen to music from the 20th century or from the 24th century only? Now, bear in mind that includes new music. So, like, so the 24th century started in, in 2000. 2000. I already have gone to 20th century, yeah. Yeah, well, I had a Definitely. Absolutely, yeah. The music, yeah. I think the music has consistently got shitter as it goes out as the years go on, do you know what I mean? Because when you listen to Ed Sheeran, for example, who's, you know, I could have nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong with that man, he's a good, it's a great songwriter and all. But are you going to be singing 17 in 20 years' time? The way you're singing, we say, you say you're singing a Bowie song or something, do you know what I mean? Or a fucking Beatles song, for example. 
Do you know what I mean? 40 or 50 years, right? Are you going to be singing that chasing songs in 50 years? Or uh, George Ezra? Or, do you know what I mean? And so you're thinking about the legacy of the songs, really. That's what makes the music good. If it's good, it'll have it. It'll have longevity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, it's for the, the Crazy World is 93. 1993 we released that. And it's still, like, if, you, if we released that today, it'd still be a decent song, do you know? Yeah. And I just listened to our first album, uh, an album called Fear No Shame. And uh, if you re- if we released that today, it'd still be a decent album, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you listen to some of the stuff from that time, and it's kind of dated. You know, because what they do now is, even, we released a single a few weeks ago, a few months ago, right? So, we're in an RTA, and I says to one of the DJs, I won't say which one he is, because he's still the bollocks on me. But I met him in the corridor. We were doing the Late Late Show, and I said to him, I says, come here, Owen. <laughs> I says, uh, by the way. <laughs> I says, um, I've just got the new single, because you know, you service all the DJs with the single, you know. So I said, you got the new single? He says, oh, I did, Chris. He said, I fucking love it. He said, I have it. He said, I have it constantly on in the car, you know. He says, bleeding deadly. So he said, going to play it on the radio. I oh, know, it's not a demographic. Mm. It's not a demographic? Yeah, so what they do is, you get the radio, right? So you look at the radio and you get their, their polls yeah. and you think, well, at two to four, all the kids coming home from school are listening to us. So that's what the market we're going to head for. Yeah. So we play music that goes for... The... But years ago, DJs, what made music great was a DJ would discover a band. Do you know what I mean? Somebody yeah. discovered the Beatles yeah. or Bowie or fucking Bob Dylan or whoever that was back, back then. Do you know what I mean? And they'd play it and then people would hear it. Say, hey, and that's... But now it's all done on a computer. Do you know what I mean? Everything's done on a computer. Because you listen to most radio stations at two o'clock on a Saturday. And you listen to the next two o'clock, next Saturday at two o'clock, it's the exact same song will be on. Yeah. And at five past two, the next exact song that was on last week. That's the way it goes. We were on a thing in 1988. We went to this convention over in EMI, over in England, right? So EMI had this, we were signed to EMI at the time. So EMI had this convention. And we were playing with a bloke called Joe Cocker, a, a fucking bloke from back then, right? So we're having dinner the next day and all the EMI pluggers come in. So the pluggers are the blokes who go around the radio stations trying to get our records played, right? So they were saying, we had a, a conference there today and we were talking about this new system's going to come in where computers pick the songs to be played at certain times and they're pissing themselves laughing at the concept and it's here today. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's all bollocks. And that's why none of those songs have will have any kind of lifespan. Do you know what I mean? Because... The quality is not there. Because years ago, well, did, even U2, for example. So when U2 were, were signed, they weren't expecting them to be successful with their first record. They were looking down the road, you know, their third album. That's when they kind of let them develop. It's called a development deal, right? So they let the band develop. That's the way Bowie was. That's the way the Beatles were. That's the way. But now you sign a deal and they want a, a hit next week. Do you yeah. know what I mean? If you don't have a hit next week, you're yeah, dropped. Man, yeah, yeah. So because of that, the bands don't have time to develop. And then you've got the likes of the X Factor, right? So, so you you have say for example my career, right? So uh, throughout my career, I've played in Jackson's with two hundred or two people in it. I remember the only gig in, in Kinsale and Cork, right? And we went and done the sound check, and we're sitting in the car park waiting for the gig, right? And I'm counting the punters going in to see if enough petrol to get back to fucking Dublin. But all those things teach you how to become a singer. Do you know what I mean? To mm. give you character, and all. You go on to the X Factor. You're unknown. I remember there was an Irish bloke a few years ago, right? So we won this thing called The Voice of Ireland, I think it was called like, Eurostar, something, I can't remember. But anyway, he won this, one of those X Factor things on RTA, right? So he's obscure, he's unknown, right? Six weeks later, he's a household name, right? He sang for us in the Eurovision then, right? And he, he was slaughtered in the Eurovision. It was the first year we'd done really bad in the Eurovision. He came back here and the papers crucified him, right? And I remember thinking, this is a bloke. This is a, a man with a fucking heart and a fucking soul. 
these fuckers have made him a star before he was a star, put him in a competition with people who are seasoned fucking stars, and because he wasn't successful, he crucified him. I've never heard of him since. He obviously gave up the music business, and that's why these X Factor things are showy. It's not because the programs are showy. It's because the ba- the people that are on them haven't done the work. You, know, you have to learn. Like it's like you was doing this gig. Can you imagine how good you are towards your first podcast? Yeah, it's the same shit. You know what I mean? You have to do it over and over again, and you have to make loads of mistakes and do shit podcasts. Like the way we had to do shit gigs and shit records until you get it right. You know what I mean? And they're not giving them a chance to do that. And they're putting the stuff out. What they're doing is they're getting mediocrity. And then they're getting some producer who has success. They're putting their kind of shine on the mediocrity and putting it out there. Yeah. But the people, you know that saying John F. Kennedy said it, you can feel some of the people all the time. Yeah. You can feel all of the people some of the time, but you can't feel all the people all the time. Yeah. And that's it. You see, so people suss it eventually. They start saying, Ed Sheridan, yeah, that was great. Like, I guarantee you, Ed Sheridan had 80,000 people there. I'd say 60,000 of them only went because he's Ed Sheridan. Not because he liked his music. Or, yeah. You know, you say to him, name me six Ed Sheridan songs. He wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't have a clue, do you know what I mean? I was actually only saying that to him, mate. Am I? They were like, come on, we go, time we go crack. And I was like, yeah, but he's going to play all his new songs, all his new songs. And yeah. I don't, I'm not into them. sitting on the guitar. <coughs> well, he's looking at, I was looking on Facebook, yes, and it's this little dot. About hmm. 600 miles away. Said, Fuck that, man. Pay £80 pound in to see a doc. Yeah. yeah. Do you not think he's any use, though? I've seen him years ago. Of course he's good. He's, yeah, he's great if you can see. If you got him in Vicar Street, he'd be bleeding brilliant. He'd only played Vicar Street. And done yeah. Reelands as well. Yeah. Now, I respect that because that... And the reason he's doing that, I know why he's doing that, because we done Slane years ago with Bowie, right? So I'm fucking obsessed. I was obsessed with Bowie when I was a kid. So we said to our manager, listen, we don't care. We'll never get us another gig. Fuck, I want to play with Bowie. Get us this gig in Slane. So they got us the support with Bowie in Slane, right? So I walked out on the stage, and I'll never forget it. We walked in backstage, right? And there was a few people scattered around it, you know. We say we got there at 2 o'clock. So we went out until about 7 o'clock that night. You know? So I hadn't seen the out front, because I didn't behind all these barriers and that, you know. So I walked out on stage, and the place was full, right? And I, it was like you only walk out on a windy day, and the wind catch you. Yeah. yeah, I nearly shot myself on the stage. But anyway, so I started singing. Now, I was used to singing in places like Baker Street, where I'm as close as you are to the audience. Mm. The nearest audience person was like the width of O'Connor Street away from me. And it's hard to connect, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is poxy. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not. So I found, right, so music at its purest form is when you're sitting in your house on a Christmas and you're singing ballads or something. Yeah. Everybody, you know, that's or sitting around Intimate. the foyer when you're locked when you're the young friend. <clears throat> you know, do you get a few flagons of soda, we don't get flagons, bottles of soda, and you'd be sitting around singing a lot. That's music as pure as form. The further you get from that, the more insincere it becomes. It becomes about commerciality and money and all that bollocks. But the artistic payback is not there, do you know what I mean? So that's why Ed Sheeran's doing Vicar Street and Whelan's, because when he's doing the, 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 the Crow Park, that's good for the Spondulics and for the ego. It's not good for the artistic merit, yeah. because he's not getting fuck all out of them. So he does Vicar Street. As an artist, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's where you get the vibe. Like, I, I'd, I'd prefer to do a gig in Vicar Street than, than Crow Park any fucking day. Yeah. You know? And we're doing, we're doing the, the Tree Arena in fucking September. But we're only doing it because this is our 40th anniversary and it's like a celebration kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't be doing it. We, we, I'd rather do six Vicar Streets than do one. one uh, like, if money wasn't involved, all these artists would rather pick the Vicar Streets you're yeah. saying over Crow Park. Absolutely, yeah. It's all yeah. about money. And it's not, it's, see, what happens is you become an employee because Ed Sheeran has a record that they're, that they're spending two million on and they want their two million back. 
So there you get out there and gig them songs. He's yeah. like an advertisement for his album. That's all that's about, you know what I mean? But he, yeah. as an artist, he wouldn't get his jack out of that. You know? There you go. Uh, that's, Good answer, though. Yeah. There's a little insight for you. Because yeah. I'd never... I've obviously thought about it, but not in that much detail. Mm. And now I'm like, yeah, that makes so much sense. You get me? Yeah. The Zinger results anyways. Yeah. Actually, you mentioned, before I got into the Zinger results, you mentioned the Beatles there, Jordan, yeah. Mm. Tangent. Yeah. Carver's not the biggest fan of the Beatles. He thinks they're, they're all right. What do you think? Chrissy. No, think Oasis are a better band. Oh, no. It wouldn't be an Oasis if it wasn't a Beatles. Someone said that to me as well, yeah. I'll tell you now, right? See, in a hundred years' time, if we come back to Earth, right, the Beatles would be like the Mozart of Earth times. Do you know what I mean? They look at Mozart and Beethoven. Yeah. The Beatles are that. That's how good they are. Because you have to understand that at that time, right, so Frank Sinatra was top of the pops, right? And then Elvis came along and it was like, what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? He said, oh, Jailhouse Rock and all that shit, right? So then that was the fucking top of the pops. And then the Beatles came along. And it was, it was no longer going, uh, one, two, three, o'clock, four o'clock, rock. It was none of that. It was the Beatles, all these lovely melodies and choruses and all that. And it just changed the whole face of music. Do you know what I mean? That's why the Beatles are so good. And like, I wouldn't be a musician if it wasn't for the Beatles. Mm. Because it's just, you know, you know what it's like? It's like it's like fucking Grand Prix racing, right? When I used, I used to watch Grand Prix racing, I used to say, what the fuck's that going on? You know? But then I started watching it, right? So we'd done a gig in Canada a few years ago, and I met a bloke called Jack Villeneuve, who was, who was a Grand Prix racer from Canada, right? So I got into it then, and then I started watching it, right? So when I watched it one particular year, right? So say there's 20 races in the Grand Prix in a year, right? So there's 20 races, and each race would be about 100 miles, right? So there's 20 races at 100 miles. The difference between the first and the second players in, in, in the, at the end of the championship was a half a second. Mm. Now they've done 50, 100 miles. What's that? 50,000 fucking, 50,000 miles in a car. So two cars were traveling 50,000 miles, changing tires, changing petrol, and it was a second. In the, do you know what I mean? That's, That's phenomenal. So the point I'm making is when you get into the fucking... What's, the what's actually involved? Yeah. Then you see, and with the Beatles, if you don't just look at it on a commercial thing, mm. you don't just look at it on. See, you're, you're looking at you're looking at the Oasis in, in a 24th century fucking kaleidoscope. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So that's what you see, and that's what you see. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Oasis are amazing. One of the best bands in the last 20 years. Every 20 years, a band comes out like Oasis. You had Nirvana, you know, Oasis. Like every so often, there's a great band comes out, and the rest, of, the rest of them are just good. You know, they're okay yeah. and stuff. But the Beatles. As I said, well, if you start looking into what they act, what they've actually done musically, when you start if you're in music, into music, yeah. and you look at what they've done, you know, the guitar playing, the, the, the way they go from a chorus. So when you're doing a chorus, for example, when you go from a verse to a chorus in a song, right? So you know this is the song we have. Yeah. These are the hands of a tired man. Right. So what you want to do is you want to go from your verse to your chorus without seeing the, 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 the stitch marks. Do you know what I mean? So if you look at that, uh, you uh, just look out and realize everybody hits you. So it's just like a step. Realize everybody. Get into the chorus. Do you know what I mean? The Beatles, they, they, they made that yeah. the, the thing. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't going, I was walking down the street and then it goes, oh, do you know what I mean? It wasn't going, big fucking yeah. jump from the first to the chorus. You know, it's all subtle and fucking. That's why the Beatles are so good. And the reason Oasis are so good is because they study the Beatles. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. So that's why, that's why you can't say the Oasis are better than the Beatles. Because yeah. if, to me, it's like, I remember walking up O'Connell's, up Grant Street one day, and there was a bloke had drawn the Mona Lisa 
in the in chalk. And I swear to Jesus, if you got the Mona Lisa and put it, you wouldn't tell the difference. It was like fucking amazing, right? It's easy to copy art, but it's not easy to come up with it. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's not easy to come up with. It's like you'll get somebody that can sing exactly like Rod Stewart in a tribute band or exactly like fucking whoever, the Oasis in his tribute. But get them to write an Oasis song. Yeah. Get them to write a song as good as Wonderwall. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. So, so that's your opinion on the Beatles, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hate the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they sing our results for the uh, you know, 62% rather the 20th century and uh, 38% yeah. rather the 24th century. So that's, uh, that's see the, the 60s flow. and the 70s now. Music was brilliant, it was. Yeah. Look at it, remember, because see, again, back then, you, you didn't have all that MTV business and all that. You have now the constant 24-hour music. Mm. Your top of the pops was on once a week on a Thursday night. And everybody, like you go out on a Thursday night, it was like Ireland were playing in the World Cup final. Nobody would be on the fucking street, you know what I mean? Mm. Everybody was watching it. And there was certain radio stations would play the top 10 or the top 40. Radio Luxembourg when they played the top 40. And everybody would be in that night listening to see what was number one for next week. I used to listen to the Sears Air album number one. Mm. You wouldn't know until you listened to the fucking radio, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. when you're releasing them, you're shitting, you're waiting for it. Because it's like getting a baby and throwing her out there. And you're saying, people are going, you see that baby? That's the ugliest baby I ever saw. Yeah, like, yeah, it's slapping the face to you. Yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's shy. so you're waiting and you're hoping the record's going to be received well. Mm. Now, at the end of the day, I don't really give a bollocks. Do you know what I mean? Because if it's not, if it's shy, I wouldn't put it out there in the first place. Yeah, you back. And I like it, do you yeah. know what I mean? That's, that's, I never, I didn't start out. I didn't start out to be a millionaire, do you know what I mean? I didn't start out in this business. I find in the music business, right? You're 18 and you have all these ideals, do you know what I mean? I used to listen to music and I'd think, that's fucking shit, you know, I could do better than that. So that's why I got into music. Plus, I, I always wanted to be a singer anyway, right? So then you get into the music business and you realise you have to do certain things, right? So you have all these ideals, what you want to do, and, you know, I, I never wanted to sing about Mary met Johnny in the disco and he fell in love. I didn't want to write songs about that, so I wanted to write songs with social fucking comment in them and stuff like that. So when I heard Bob Dylan, I thought... It literally took the words out of my mouth, Bob Dylan does yeah. that, yeah. So when I heard him, I was like, oh, holy shit, you can write songs that mean shit, you know what I mean? Anyway, so you're going along as an 18 with all these ideals and stuff, and then you realise to get to the next step, you have to compromise a bit of your ideal and a bit of yourself, right? So if you're somebody like Ron and Keaton, for example, I know I like Ron, a nice bloke and all that, but they can compromise their bollocks away, do you know what I mean, to get to where they get it. I reach points throughout my career, and I can't do that shit. I can't do that. I couldn't step on my mother to make a number one album. You know, I know blokes that would kick the shit out of their mother mm. to have a number one record. Do you know what I mean? And it's not, I'm not saying Ronald Keaton to do that, but there are certain individuals in this country. Yeah. For example, you look at a boy band, all the, they're singing other people's songs, they're getting a the top producer in to play a song that was already a hit 20 fucking years ago. Do you know what I mean? So there's no, there's, what's, what's that about? That's, you know, yeah. that's, like, that's like me getting, that's like me getting Maradona getting his trainers and all his fucking coaches and getting them to coach me, you know, for a, and then going out and playing like Maradona. Mm. Do you know what I mean? What's bollocks? Be yourself. Yeah. Something, bring something new to the fucking table. Originality. Doing it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like this podcast. <clears throat> the reason this podcast is successful because it's different than all the other shit that's out there. Not all, I'll show you some good podcasts out there. But it's different. That's what gives it its fucking flavour. That's what gives it its, its value. And if you're going to be the same, what's the fucking point? What yeah. is the fucking point? So as I said, I reached certain things where I couldn't compromise. I, said, I can't fucking do that, you know. Other people can do it. They don't care. They don't care that they're singing somebody else's hit. They don't care that they're not adding nothing to music. They don't care that in 50 years' time, people will never remember them. Like I know now, 
this is crazy. Well, those songs will be remembered. Do you know what I mean? When I'm long, dead and gone. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's me, it more, means more than that. I'd rather be successful in Ireland and not the rest of the world than successful in the rest of the world and not in Ireland. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'd much prefer, because, you know, Irish people, they don't suffer fools gladly. If you're shite, they'll tell you in the heart. Yeah. And that's the great thing about Dublin. Dublin people, they'll do it with humour, but they'll tell you if you're shy. They'll tell you. And that's what, that's what made us great. And we, that not mean made us, that's what made us keep our standards up. Because you do a gig and you have a bloke that you grew up with, Christy, I heard the new song, yeah, fucking wine cock. You know, you know what I mean? So I used to say, I can't let that happen. So I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd keep my standards up. So nobody could come to me and say, you could say, I don't like that song, but you couldn't say it was a shit song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so that drove you. That's what drives you, yeah. yeah. So I can't, you know, you can't, you can't, there's no point, you know, what's the point in doing something? So what's the point in, what's the point in drawing the fucking Mona Lisa in Grand Street? Do you know what I mean? It's already for a few coppers, do you know what I mean? If that's what you're in it for. Mm-hmm. Well, you're in it for art or for, for to make music and to make people appreciate that, you, you know, you, like I've dedicated my life to fucking music, do you know what I mean? And people see that. And like, it, the reason we get a lot of credit is because we persevered through thick and thin. We should have split up years ago with the shit that we've gone. We've been in a plane crash, gone through drug addictions, fucking cancer. You know all the things that's happened to us over the years. Should have been dead fucking years ago. Mm-hmm. Didn't know you were in a plane crash. I've got to listen to this, right? <laughs> we're playing down in fucking, uh, down in um, Sligo, right? 22nd of November. It was a real stormy day. So we are flying down. I'm in a thing called a Fokker 50. It's a propeller plane with 50 people in it, right? So me and Billy are sitting at the wing, <coughs> right? And the emergency door was right at the wing there, right? So you know really to give you the card to raise. Yeah. To, to, so they gave us another card that shows how to open the door if, if you had a plane crash, right? So we're going down, we're flying in, and the plane is going all over the place, right? So Billy's sitting beside me, like, I can't even hold that together, Captain. She's breaking up, you know, Star Trek. Yeah. The Scottish fellow started. And he's giving all this audio and flipping on the tongue, bleeding cups and all this on the plane because he was freaking them out because we were hitting turbulence, right? Anyway, you know when a plane comes in, it lands like that. Yeah. This plane came in. So no, we came through the clouds. Usually you come through the clouds and you've got about still a mile to go. We came through the clouds about fucking 10 yards between the cloud and the flo- and the ground, right? So when the plane came in, it came in like that and the wheels, we're looking out at the wheels under the wing. And the wheels just exploded, right? Just burst. And they start wrapping around, you know, the tire wrapping yeah. around the wheel. So next minute, in, in this uh, Strand Hill Airport, down in Sligo. So the, the runway is like that, and there's grass, and then there's grass to there, so about 20 feet. And then it's the ocean, right? Like a cliff into the ocean, right? So the plane goes off into the grass, and then all the mucks start flying up. And I'm looking out the window and everything goes into slow motion. And I start thinking, this is not a car. This is a fucking airplane. We're going to fucking die here. Yeah. And everything just went silent. The only thing they'd be screaming and all, they went, everybody's real quiet, right? So I'm looking. So next minute the plane comes up, goes over and then straight into the fucking water, right? So at the top of the plane, about the first three rows was underwater. And we were, at the, we were up at the wing, so we're in the middle of the plane. So there's about five seats and then the water. So the first two or three seats were underwater. The pilot's not underwater. So anyway, me and Billy's trying to open the door, right? To get fucking out of this show, because it stopped at this stage. 
the air hostess is on her hands and knees because the plane is on a list like this. It's like that, actually. So the plane is like that, and she's crawling on her hands and knees up the middle aisle trying to get to us. And she goes, no, no. I was like, fuck, I'm getting it. The fucking propeller is right outside the emergency door. Still oh, spinning. Jumped out. We'd have been being chopped to bits. Well, who the fucking's on this plane? <laughs> Why are you supposed to wait if the plane's on fire? So <laughs> they'll wait the fucking fire is out. Do you know what I mean? Fuck that. <laughs> so anyway, listen, right? So we, we all get out of the plane. We're standing trying to get out of the plane. Next minute, it was like something our father had, right? This high ace van comes up. And you know an aluminium ladder that you clean windows? One of them on the roof. That was the fucking emergency car, right? Coming up, and there was a door on the back of the plane. Up, it took us about 20 minutes to get out of the plane, right? Oh, because all old people and all. And I remember thinking, this plane was on fire, be fucked. Like all that reading of the car, it's all bollocks. It's talking bollocks <laughs> because you'd never, like, you know, you couldn't get out of the plane quick enough, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we all get out of the plane, and that was grand. So the, all, the news and all is there, and six o'clock news come up, it's in a crash, that's not an all this guy down. So uh, the was actually giving out to Billy then because it was, that's your fault with your fucking breaking up shit and all yeah. that. Dion was saying, right? So that night we went for a meal before the, we still done the gig that night. <laughs> but before the gig we went for a meal and this crowd of Dion's came in, they're sitting on a table beside us and I could see them looking over at us, do you know what I mean? And they obviously watched me looking at the news that day and this Dion comes over to me and says a lottery ticket. Son, you wouldn't rub that for us, would you please? You're lucky bastard. How lucky you are, yeah. Right, so listen, it gets better then, right? So about two weeks later, we're flying from Manchester to Glasgow, right? So we're in the plane, and next minute, we're only taking off in Manchester, and your man says, we're fucking, uh, we have to turn around, something wrong with the plane, just don't panic and all this bollocks, right? So we plane turned out, and we're coming back into Manchester, and I looked down in Manchester runway, and there's fucking fire brigades all the way up the runway with their lights and all. Oh, I'm saying, he's saying not to worry. They so wouldn't be fucking there if not to worry. Yeah. What happened in the end was the computer had gone, so we were flying everything himself, which they don't usually do. They just put on autopilot yeah. and it flies itself. Anyway, that's what was wrong. So the plane landed, it was grand. We all got over, so you know they bring into the VIP lounge to wait to get on another plane, right? So there was these three outlets beside us at a table. Like, you look like businessmen. I say to a fucking salesman or something like that. Anyway, I was kind of saying to the audience, I said, you're not going to fucking believe it. I said, we were in Ireland last two weeks ago. I said, we in a fucking plane crash. I said, now we're on this, a plane crash. You know, fucking mad. So then about an hour later, you come in, so you can reboard, get back on the plane. So as I was getting back on the plane, I seen these three outlets shouting at the fucking air hostess. I had a big row going on. I was kind of the nosy bastard yeah. trying to find out what was wrong. Couldn't suss it. So off we went, got on the plane, and we're flying back to, flying out to Glasgow. So the air hostess coming around down with this shit, you know. So I was come here, I seen them out was giving out. What's the story with them? She said, You wouldn't go on a flight with us. They said you were jinx bastards. <laughs> <laughs> the three of them, because we were because the start to hear us talking about the crash we were in last week. So we're not getting on a flight with them, they're fucking jinx. You wouldn't go on the flight with us. <laughs> so yeah. two and two weeks. Two and two yeah. weeks, yeah. Do you know uh, do you know Hulk Hogan, the wrestler? Yes. He was in three plane crashes. And every single time he was in it, he had uh, red jocks and red socks on. So every time he gets on a plane now, he wears red jocks and socks. He shouldn't because he, he crashed. Wears, he wears them, yeah. But he shouldn't. He thinks they're good luck. No, they're bad luck. He yeah. crashed three, three times. Three times, yeah. Oh, fuck's sake, he'll be wearing blue jocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's mad, isn't it? So that's what I'm saying, you know. That's in that mad because you say the odds on you bleeding. You say you've had that chance dying on the way to the yeah. airport and in the plane crash, and then you were well, in twice in two yeah, weeks. Me, boys, you're not going to believe I'm on the runway. You're not going to believe it. I've been in a plane crash. Well, you fuck off, you dope. <laughs> so I swear to God, what have been in a fucking plane crash? I'll get you a po- photograph of the plane. Hold on. Go on. <laughs> you talk about it. Get a we'll carry on. Uh, when was the last? So we had Christian last year. 
Yeah, when last year? March. March last year because uh, ball, yeah, when we we forgot the mics. Go on, tell us what happened, Aaron. Tell tell them what happened because I gave me stick about we're all bleeding dead. It's not me. You, Christy, the second we seen Christy, we were like, ah, oh, how's it going, Christy? It's good to see you again. You was cunts forgot the mics the last time and lifting us yell for show. Uh, what happened? We went up to the gaff to do a podcast. Into Christie's gaff. gaff. He lives in uh, Malahoyd, yeah, the big huge gaff in Malahoyd <laughs> just behind <laughs> the shelves. <laughs> and uh, we had the box of equipment. Yeah, we had the stands and all in it, but for some reason the mics weren't in the box. So I just grabbed the box out of the gaff, put it in the car and drove up, and then the mics weren't in it. So I had the blade and rip back into town and uh, get them. But what we were saying is you can forget a stand, you can forget this fucking mics. Like. I was thinking, all the gear we carry around us as a band, you carry amplifiers, guitars, drums, Lights, lights stands, mics, that, and we never forget that. And you had one thing to bring a fucking microphone, and you just forgot it. These are two wankers, but his adventures were good in the end. But uh, it was the week uh, Abel Phil's because remember, it was Bastard. to go out on Abel, oh, was Phil. It? yeah. And I rang him, I goes, That episode's had to get deleted. And he goes, What? Fucking Chrissy taking them on, you had to delete the episodes. I go, Nothing we can do. We're not even going to be able to do it again. He said, Oh, more than that, Aaron. More, I wasn't having any. Oh, here we go. I've got a photo. Here we go. I've got a photo. Give us a gander. Right, oh, this thing's gonna look like a can of coke I stood on. <laughs> so there's the plan. You see the cliff there? Fucking hell. pulling it back a bit, you know what I mean? So we're here at the wings, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's the propellers are on the wings. See the propeller there? So, so look, see the ocean there? Look. Yeah. Should I literally just pull that out there? Yeah, see, now, see, see, the toilet has gone out now, do you know what I mean? So Put the toilet was in. Yes, and that was down because he pulled it, had to drag it back in a bit. So for people listening, yes, yeah, so the plane's hanging off a cliff, the nose of the plane is in the water, but the toilet has gone out, and then the back of the plane is proper up in the air. Yeah, it's about 15 foot off the ground. Oh, hell. Great vibe. <laughs> great to survive it, you know what Yeah, I mean? great to be able to tell the story. Yeah. But uh, how, how unlucky you are to be in a blade plane, plane crash for fuck's sake. I'm just the that day because I fucking... <laughs> if I crash again, I won't have the same jokes. So. Yeah. So in any ways, uh, the episode went out. We were up in your gaff, Yeah. Thanks for having us up there. But then we brought you in here to the studio. Yeah, it's all posh now. And in case you don't know, when I met the lads the first time, the lads were like two tramps from the inner city. <laughs> yeah. But they're all co- corporate makeover now with lovely haircuts. All Nike gear on them, really, oh, they look deadly. <laughs> I'm nearly sure this is how we dress the last time you were up in your game. <laughs> we had tried to have done it. Yeah. But it's great, it's great. You know, as I said, it's I know how hard it is for working class people to be successful around. Because we're educated, you know. When we go to school, we're educated to be carpenters, or mechanics, or fucking electricians, if we're really clever. If we're really, really clever, we'll get a job in the civil service, in the tax office. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because they don't walk. We're educated to be successful. You know, and that honest to God, that's what it happens. Right? So when we are successful, we I know what we have to do to to, to get that. And people on the south side say, "Ah, shut up, you wind ambassador," but they don't realise it because they're coming from a different place. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And we used Definitely. to say, you know, because I remember there was a team with us on the flowers years ago, and any time we tried to get out on the on the RTA, the flowers would get us, you know, because they they were just south side. Yeah. We, had, we were like Northside scumbags in between robbing cars and mugging L once we wrote the old song kind of thing, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Honest to God. And I know you used to be getting that as well because you're working class. Mm-hmm. It's hard, you know. So, you know, kudos to us for doing it. Nice one, Chris. Look at what he's up against. Look at the amount of podcasts out there. It's like our business, the amount of records. Like I was talking about your man getting that record. They probably get 1,000 records a week. Ask one of the DJs here in the radio station. 
So how do they decide what records to play? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So but that's why they end up playing Ed Sheeran. Well, that's Gavin James that worked last week, so we try to play that, you know what I mean? Mm. You can't really blame them, but it's just shit, you know what I mean? It's yeah. shit for bands like us. Yeah. Right, yeah. anyways, how's the health? How's things with Jill since the last one? Grand, yeah, still the same. So I have two cancers, and if one's not fucked, one's not playing up, the other one is, you know what I mean? One's called amyloidosis, and the other's called, one's a blood, that's a blood cancer, and the other one is a bone cancer called multiple myeloma. But I'm constantly on treatment, you know what I mean? So that's, I just get on with it. Because what I do is I try and pretend there's nothing wrong with me. And then when something comes that debilitates me, I deal with that day, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. otherwise, because the way I was looking at it is, right, I was given six months to live eight years ago, Patrick's Day, Patrick's Day eight years ago, I got diagnosed. And when I came out of hospital, I was in hospital for about six months. When I came out, so six months after that, which would have been September, November or something. Anyway, what he said, look, you've about six months tops. If you've acted on your book with this, do it, do you know what I mean? Anyway, that was eight years ago. So if I took their word, I'd have worried those six yeah. months and had a fucking nightmare every time. But what I did was, fuck it, I let them and I haven't got cancer. And I'm still here, do you know what I mean? So the way I looked at it was, if I did die under six months, I would have had a shit time if I worried about it, or else I'd have had a good time and still died. It didn't change the outcome, do you know what I mean? And that's the way I still think, look, look at it today. I don't try, I try, I try and look at it half full as opposed to half empty. Yeah, yeah, optimistic about What's it. What's the point in being miserable? Did you do anything about, see when you said the bucket list, did you do anything that was on your bucket list or anything like that? I've not on my bucket list. I couldn't, couldn't think of anything, I swear. I'm not, I'm not giving it the big one that I've done everything. I haven't done everything. But I haven't, there's nothing that I fucking, I'd love to do that, you know. Yeah. yeah. There's one thing I want to do. I want to go see Celtic and Rangers and I've done that. That was the one thing, sorry. Yeah. So, see that there in my tooth? Yeah. yeah. So we are playing Rangers and it was one all. Right, and it's about six minutes to go. And your man, the uh, what's your man's name, Dave? Uh, the plays for Rangers, little black fella that he's played on loan for them. No, he's on loan last year. The foe, Graham the foe, was playing for them, right? So he came on as a sub, and Rangers can start getting mm. you know, they start saying that I'm they start taking over. Do you know what I mean? And I go, oh, but this is this bass are gonna beat us, you know. And uh, I said, I said, me and Alan were talking to drumming out of band, and I says. If we score and win this match, I'm going to get a green diamond in my tooth for Celtic. <laughs> and next minute, uh, Forrest got the ball about six minutes to go. Boom, into the net. It was the best day of my life. I swear, the best, you know, you say the best weekend ever. Yeah. Best weekend ever. That's what I said when I met this bloke a few weeks ago. I couldn't believe it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this oh, is going back shit. over to the old firm next week. Yeah. Can I tell the story? Yeah, go ahead. So we're playing a gig down in Ballycon, and uh, the bloke that owns a place called The Church. It's, you know, you know, um, other voices on RTA. Yeah. You know that place they do it in? That's mm-hmm. called the church. It's in Cork and Ballycon. Little seaside town in Cork. So the bloke that owned it, we had me, myself and Joe, the guitarist, were going home after the gig. And the manager says to me, listen, the, the owner wants to say hello to you after the gig. And I was going, oh, for fuck's sake, I want to go home. You know, we hear all bleeding. Right? So I went there and he went, hello, my name is Pierce Man. So how are you, Pierce? Said, so he's talking to me. He says, he, says, he left Ireland in 1985, £200 in his pocket. from a council estate in Cork. He says, and I never got Aslan because we hadn't happened yet, you know what I mean? When he'd gone to, he'd lived in Scotland for the last, whatever, since 1985. So he says, um, I heard Crazy World and I started getting into you. He says, and then I heard you on Ray Darcy's show and Ray Darcy asked you, what did you, um, what did you think of the pandemic? And he said, I don't give a fuck about the pandemic. The Celtic win today. The Celtic were playing that day in Europe. So uh, he said, when he heard that, you kind of buzzing, right? So he says, why, why did that? He said, well, I own 12% of Celtic. 
we nearly had a heart attack. So I latched onto him, right? Anyway, I mean seven Joe and Tom, so I rang the man, get into him quick, do you know what I mean? He's <laughs> deadly. So he was flying us over in January for the old firm game. And then the pandemic, remember they brought all the crowds back to the mm-hmm. so we couldn't go in January. So he's flying us over next um, Sunday in his private, yeah. Flying over, going to see the Rangers match in Celtic Park. And if we win that match, we win the league. Because mm. we, we win two matches if Rangers win all the matches. There's four matches left. But Rangers, if Rangers lose to us next week, they can't win all the matches. Yeah. So we wrap it up then. So then we're going to the Player of the Year the was on the Monday. And then he's Brilliant. flying us back and it's, you know, so it's deadly. And you know, we don't live like rock stars and all that. This isn't this is not every day, you know, this is a vibe, vibe you know. A few years ago, uh, a mate of mine is bad United, Gerald Keane, you know Gerald Keane's sister? Anyway, he's a big United and he's a private jet as well. And I walked into Vicar Street, you know the dressing room in Vicar Street opens like that. So the door was open, the other back dressing room. I just went into the Never sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was playing. Just rubber in. I forgot he was playing the Liberty Hall. I thought he told me that. Anyway, so I'm looking at the vans you know, on the van and saying, Jell King's bringing us over to see United on his private Yeah, next Saturday. And he's when my ass is on the plane, I believe, next to the door, when he's sitting there. No way. I was sick. Give me a hole and I stick my foot in there. Anyway, so the day before, I was strung out at the time. So the day before, I couldn't get any gear anywhere. So I couldn't go away with no gear because I'd be bleeding, dying sick. So the rest of the band went over and I couldn't go because it's, you know, so mm. I missed it. So this is my next opportunity now to do it, you know. Yeah. So, so you're taking all, taking all what you yeah. can, all these So everybody's used children now stay away from drugs. They won't be able to go see Man United. <laughs> <laughs> That'll probably drive people to bleed in drugs. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to go and see United, yeah? Jays are awful, aren't you? Oh, Dort. 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 It's in the Liverpool match. Like, it's like Liverpool were training looking at that and they were still made shit. Yeah. Mm. It's sad, really, for such a big club, you know, but there you go. It's a powerful mm. grace, mm. you know. It's football. You know, me and Calvin actually have a bet on. Yeah. Since yeah. the start of the season. I'm a Liverpool fan. He's United. Yeah. Had a bet on who'd finish where, whoever. Oh, my whoever God. Whoever finished with Loud, the other one has to shave their heads. So I'm mm. going to shave his head now next week. Wow. Yeah, probably next week. Tell you I'm not taking that bet. It was in August, Christy. I, I think, think it was a and the team they have, you know, we just heard, you know, Robertson, 30 grand a week he's only on. Mm. Like, Robertson's only on 30 grand a week? Like for football, that's nothing, you know what yeah. I mean? I know it's a lot of money, but Yeah, but for high-level football. football, it's not, yeah. yeah. But you look at Celtic, the top Celtic players would be only on 20 grand a week. Yeah, there's not money in Scotland, yeah, no, though. not really. Because yeah. you, you've got Celtic and Rangers, and the rest that's of it, it, yeah. that's really it, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Will you shift, my friend, with Graham and Nathan, a Go Loud original. Go Will you shift? Will you shift, my friend? Kiss, snog, meet, score, wear the face. Oh, shift! Will you shift, my friend? The new podcast by us, Graham and Nathan. We talk to your favourite personalities all about shifting, like Greg O'Shea, James Kavanagh, and Justine Stafford. Oh, tonsil tennis! No, we're we're sticking with shift. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. Look, you were touching on the day a minute ago. You made a, a laugh and a joke, but but since. Uh, when we did your podcast, well, when you come onto this podcast the first time, yeah. we got loads of messages off people about the way I opened up about drug addiction. Now, I don't want to get mad deep and all real, real quick, boys, yeah? But uh, what advice would you give to younger people who are in addiction? Because we have a lot of people who right. text us and they reach out and they say, look, you know what happens, I'm struggling right? here. Do you know what happens to kids, right, I think? So people talk about addiction, right, and they say, look, if you don't get drug addiction, don't get addicted because this is, you know... 
you don't start off with a needle in your arm and laying off O'Connell Street. When you take a force, it's lovely. That's why you keep going back to it. But people don't say that. So what happens is kids take heroin. And be like, this is actually great. This is lovely. I'm not sitting in a fucking piss pot in fucking O'Connell Street. They, they were all lying, you know what I mean? Mm. You have to educate them what, you know, it is a lovely drug and that's why people keep going back to it. But it's what the consequence of it is, do you know what I mean? You see, drug addiction is all about feelings. So basically, you wait, I was fucking raped twice when I was a kid, right? When I was six, I was nine by two different people. So when you have all that shit going on in your head, to me, it was like, you know, when you're hungry, you've got this kind of hole, this, you know, that non feeling when you're yeah. starving. I had that on me, like, but when I took care of the first day, it was gone. Do you know what I mean? I thought, this is how you woke up this morning. This is how everybody else feels. This is just normal. This is normal, yeah. I didn't feel stoned or higher. So that's the vibe. So, but it's what it costs you. Do you know what I mean? It's what you end up down there. Do you know what I mean? You end up, I remember banging up in my neck in a bray, you know, in the Jackson bray. Because there's no veins left, you know, banging into me fucking juggler vein. It's, it's just a nightmare. Getting chased with shotguns, you know. I remember pulling up at a flat and the other bloke for announcing gear. And he was actually being locked up, so I never paid him for it because he got locked up about two days later. And he got out, say, a year later. And I was going off another bloke and he was in his flat. So when I pulled up, your man ran out and chased him up the road with a shotgun. So it's just all that shit, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be able to do it now. I remember I was in New York, right? And uh, I, was, I was going down. I was going down to score, and uh, I, I had to do it again. I had about eight, nine hundred dollars in my pocket, and this bloke came up to me, looked like Mike Tyson, like blood muscles on him and all, but he's scars all over his face and his blanket. He said, I'm hurting, man. I'm hurting. You got ten dollars? I had to get me something, you know. So I look at said, yeah. So I pulled out about a grand out of my pocket. I was going to give him fifty dollars, you know. Dope. The man seen the money. And he fucking so I just pulled out a machete. Yeah. And started running at me, do you know what I mean? And I just threw a few notes on him and he kind of distracted him on my leg there. You know? Anyway, another day's another one, right? I'm scared. Can I tell these stories? These are these are horror fucking stories now. So I'm in yeah. New York, right? And uh, I'm scoring off this bloke. So I scored, when I done that, I was Andrew's liver cells started sizzling on my tongue, right? So I went away and he started running. So I started chasing him. He was ripping so, it. Yeah, he had to rip me, right? Yeah. So I'm chasing him and I'm running into the projects in New York, in Alphabet City, it's called. So it's like Ballymun of New York. So I'm chasing him for about three or four minutes, and I'm the only white bloke in this area, right? So as I'm getting nearer to him, I'm saying, what am I going to do if I catch this fucker? Yeah, yeah. And the two of us stopped. He must have said, what am I running up in this prick for? Yeah. <laughs> it was like something out of Benny Hill. He turned around, he's chasing me out of the <laughs> But anyway, so, you know, so it can be a nightmare. It's a nightmare of a lifestyle. I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. I'm lucky... I'd say out of everybody that I knew using when I started, are either dead now or they're in prison. And the only reason they're not dead is because they got a reprieve when they were in prison and they kind of cleaned their act up a bit. But, you know, Willie, Willie, Will Willow, you know, I met Will on Mount Choi, we were doing a gig in Mount Choi. And I remember saying to Tony on the way out, I said, see Will Al, I said, next time we, we hear his name, it's when he's funeral. He's fucked. And he turned his life around. He, he is... A poster child for rehabilitation of drug abuse. Mm. He was at the bottom of the barrels, you know what I mean? And look at him now, he's a, and a brilliant bloke as well. But you can't come out of it, you know, so don't ever give up hope, do you yeah. know what I mean? <clears throat> no matter how bad you are. But don't let it get you there. Don't go there, do you know what I mean? And people say, I remember somebody saying to me, well, it's not as bad as drink, you know, hash, talking about hash, because I started off in hash like most people. Not as bad as hash. Who bleeding drinks a pint of beer with our breakfast? Do you know what I mean? But you smoke a joint at their breakfast and they go, oh, it's not as bad as gargle. Mm. Bollocks. 
you know, the happiest moments I've had in my life when I sober, like now, do you know what I mean? When you're drugged up, you just don't feel anything. It's like you're on an anesthetic. You don't feel anything, do you know what I mean? It's poxy. It's a horrible life and it's just it's just bad, you know. So just see criminalised drugs, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah so. of course you should because there's a thing they done in Portugal, right? So what he did was yeah. the Prime Minister got in. He decriminalised everything, right? So all the money they were spending on on uh, Locking the people up. system, yeah, yeah the policing, the prison system, all of that money they got and they gave micro loans to, to addicts who, who are recovering and had the ideas. Because a lot of addicts are very uh, um, artistic, are very, they have, you know. Yeah, they're they, intellectual. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've never met an evil addict really. They're just people that are fucked up psychologically and mentally, do you know what I mean? And the drugs then fucked them up more, you know. But anyway, so they start giving the, all these recovering addicts micro loans, you know. Now, you would think after decriminalising it, they'll go through the roof, the addiction rates, 50% drop in, in, in heroin addiction in Portugal after they've done this. So you can go out in the street and buy heroin. Yeah, less people are doing it. Because the whole taboo and the whole thing has gone off it now, do you know what I mean? It's like buying a, a, a bar of chocolate, do you know what I mean? So people, it's not a big deal. Because when I took heroin first, I was smoking hash, I was going off this biker up in, up in um, Mount Pleasant Flats at the time, they're gone now. But I went in one day, I said, no, Hash, I've got Skag here. And I was afraid to say, what's Skag? Because I didn't know what Skag was. Mm. So he gave me a bindle of heroin. And I remember looking at what I got for a tenner. I told you what I got for Hash for a tenner. I was going, that comes out dirty me up, you know. But I, and then, so I didn't even know what heroin was, do you know what I mean? Because back in the 80s, we didn't have, we didn't have peers, we didn't have people before us. Do you know, we were the kind of first generation yeah. of people that were using heroin. Like the kids today can look at the likes of us who, who are, you know, fucked up their lives over it. So I'd say, like, we'd probably been a lot more successful as a band. How do I not get into addiction? Yeah, live with a load of regrets over that. No. No, that's right. I don't regret nothing yeah. because I'm happy where I'm at, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you change art and grown up? No. Not a thing? Not nothing at all. Because even the addiction thing, because it brought me where I am today. And, it's, you know, you see, I don't like saying that because it makes it feel like it's a good thing to do. It's not. But yeah. it, was a, it was an amazing education, do you know what I mean, of life. And I've seen a side of life that I would have never seen, do you know what I mean? Now, the, the price is very high for it and it's very risky, do you know what I mean? I could have ended up dead. If I was doing it today, I'd be dead. Because the day they shoot you for 20 euros, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like back then, there was a little bit of less less kind of evil in it, do you know what I mean? But it's just gone horrible now, you know? And the kids now, if you owe somebody 100 euros, they'll shoot you. Or if they owe you 100 euros, they'll shoot you. Do you know what I mean? You can, and then you're watching the police as well. Like I always think that there's a kid got shot in things a couple of weeks ago. And I was looking at his life and his mother was there, you know, he was the king and the big funeral was all over Facebook and all. And I remember thinking, you know, right, he wore a Gucci hat for a couple of years and he had a Canada goose jacket. But he's in a grave. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? He's not wearing a Gucci cap now. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking wrong. And these kids are looking up. Right? I was coming home from a thing in RTA, I don't know where, I got me seven billion in the car. And you had a spar in Fisbury there. Yeah. I just, we stopped at the light and I looked at the spar and there was about five blokes outside. And every one of them had Canada goose jackets, right? And then these two kids came out, about 12 years old. These were about... 18 year olds and these two kids came out with 12 on these little scooters and you could see them looking in adoration at these lads in the Kennedy Goose jackets and I just thought man it's just fucked up you know this is what they're aspiring to do you know what I mean you know wearing a Kennedy Goose jacket for what so, so you're watching your fucking door you've bulletproof fucking glass you know, if, if some of the criminal doesn't kill you the police are going to arrest you that's not a life yeah. We say it all the time on this podcast. Oh, it's not like a life, man. It's the wrong people. You know, I mean, it's from the NRC. Mm. You know what it's done to the NRC. Seen mm. there, being there. Yeah. 
acted the ball when I, when I was using force, I used to be around Liberty, Liberty House and all yeah. those areas, cause that's where it was, a lot of it was got going on. And like a lot of people, friends I had are dead, you know. Mm. It's just, it's just, it's just sad. It's so sad. sad. I don't know, I have a lot no. of friends as well who are just caught up, either addicts or locked up. And yeah, 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 this is what you should be doing. See what you are doing. Mm. This is what people should be doing. Join a band, become a footballer, become a, do a podcast. There's loads of ways of getting out of the fucking rat, rat race, do you know what I mean? And becoming successful and doing it. Because at the end of the day, you go home and you can sleep. Do you know what I mean? You're not fucking looking over your shoulder. Exactly. You know you're not looking mean? over your shoulder when you're earning your money or spending your money. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. I think that's well. Like, yeah, and you enjoy you've it more. The money. You've the money, but how are you spending it? You can't yeah, even spend the money. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, there's a bloke in Finglas, you know, he's all over the papers at the moment. You can't even live in a scaff. He's in a different hotel room every night. Do you know what I mean? That's no life. No. It's not a life. And so what if you can go to Marbella? So what? I can go to fucking Marbella, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And because because his his jocks were 80 quid and mine were two quid, still the water still freezes the bollocks off you, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just it's so sad when I see these kids, you know. You say, look at man, these are looking at the wrong, these are getting inspired by the wrong fucking people. And it's too easy, I think it's way too easy to look at these lads. And yeah. like, oh, look at the money, look at the clothes, look at this, look at that. But, but why did he not look? Well, that's what I'm saying about this funeral last week. Mm. I felt like fucking, look, saying, this man is dead. What is fucking celebrating? He didn't win the lottery. He didn't get shot and survived there. He's fucking dead. Mm. You know, he's in a grave. Mm. When all the hullabaloo was gone, when all the fucking... You know how great he was and all how much money he made. When all that is said and done, he's in a fucking grave. So sad. Heartbreaking. And I know these young fellas, do you know what I mean? The thing is, they're not making as much money as as the kids think they are either. And that's the thing. They're living this lifestyle. They're not making. And even if they do, there's a very small percentage of people who make it big in that short of game. And when they do make it big, they can't buy a gap. Well, I'm telling you one thing, right? I've been around drugs all my life, right? I could not say to you, one person, and I'm not just saying this, do I see him? He sold gear and he made, he done, got a good life out of it. No. Because they're either all dead or else they get curious. Even the ones that didn't use, initially, they look at you scoring every day and how desperate the addicts are, and then they get curious. And then they end up getting strung out. Yeah. I've seen it, I couldn't say to one, I'm not just saying this, I couldn't say to, well, see your man Peter, he made money and he done well out of it. Not one. Every one of them are either fucking dead, they're strung out now. I see young blitz that used to sell in fingers a couple of years ago, 12, 13 year olds, and they're like fucking rakes walking around now, strung out on coke. Do you know what I mean? It's awful. It's fucking awful. It's just no way, to, you know, it's, I just don't know, what the, I don't know what the solution is. We need to educate it more. I mean, you look at, you look at what the money going into drug rehabilitation in this country. It's fucking disgraceful. Disgraceful. Mm. I'll tell you one thing. If all those politicians' sons were getting strung out and it wasn't inner city kids and kids in Finglas, you'd fucking see something getting done about it. And that's why a big shout out to Limbler One who we had on this podcast before. He was yeah. a politician who was fighting every single there is, point. There are, in some good, there are some good politicians out there. Yeah. But well, she, Lena's she, one of our own. Yeah, I know, fight, I know, yeah, I know. Because you've seen it every day, like, go school. Yeah. These haven't, these are out in Darkie and they're in Paranormal and whatever. See, the addiction crosses all class barriers. Yeah, doesn't, it's not, it, addiction know, doesn't discriminate. I've, I've, I've used with people who are really wealthy people and I've used with people having a pot to piss in. And even the wealthy people ended up not having a pot to piss in, yeah. do you know what I mean? So, and you know, you have money. You can only spend so much money, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I look at Bono, let's say, right? He's a billionaire, let's say, right? So say if it costs him a million pound a year, 
And that, that it wouldn't cost. I would say it would cost him a million pound a day to live, live like a lord. What's he do with all the other fucking millions? He won't see it. He won't touch it. He don't, he don't, he'll never be in contact with it. So what's it about? Yeah, what's the point? What the fuck yeah. is the point of it? Give it away. Give it, to, give it to Africa. You know, you're so worried about Africa. Give it to Africa. Or something, do you know what I mean? Give half a billion. You still have half a billion. Nature, isn't it, Christy? We want more and more and more. It comes the power, though. It's power they're looking for then. It's yeah. not money. Yeah. yeah. That, it's the same even in that game, though. You see, you see big Every criminals game. and they make a, cut, a few, Bob. But why not? And you always think everyone, the most common question is, why didn't they stop at when they hit the million? Because you can't, it's human nature. Yeah. You want to sell more, you want to make more, then you want to make that why? statement. And, because you know what happens, you see, it's, like every, it's like every business, they mix in circles. So we say the Kinhans, for example, now I don't know this, but I'm just giving an example, it's like hypothetically. So say the Kinhans, I remember reading about his wedding and all the, the South American cartels were, and all the mafia and Eastern, uh, the, the Eastern Bloc mafia heads were all at the wedding in Dubai when, he, when Daniel Kinhan got married. So that's the circles he's moving in. So now he wants to be bigger than this, what you're saying. Now he's not competing with Mick with the no teeth in, in, in Liberty. And now he's competing with a fucking South American cartel. Now he wants to sell more coke than them. Or he wants to buy more coke than they, than they ever sold to anybody else. And that's what happened, that power thing. It's not about money and it's about power. Mm. But it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Just what you said there about the addiction services, uh, something that we were talking about. Do you know, you'd see people and uh, addiction services in this country, they're like checkboxes as well. Because it's like, you'd see somebody, they'd be facing a sentence. But... Then they go up before the judge and be like, oh, he's in recovery. But he's not really in recovery. He's still using. Yeah. It's just a checkbox to say, like, oh, he's actually doing well. The umpire is still strung out. I was talking to a counsellor last week, right? <laughs> and we were talking about Fingless. So I have this other man who used to be a counsellor in Ballymun, right? And he had to give her up because he said before he'd, he'd be going into a flat, right? And of people that would be using, right? And he said, you know, he probably have, wouldn't have much grub on the table. He's now he's going in, he don't have any lights. He's not as machetes on the table because they're afraid something because they're all on crack now and the crack is even worse than the heroin, right? But so he gave up counseling because of it. But this other fellow was just saying to me that he'd be ringing the methadone clinic in, in, in Finglas, right? And say, right, John Smith wants to get off the, her the methadone. So uh, I want to put him into such, we need a reference to put him into such and such a clinic. The doctor in the clinic is saying, no, if you, if, he, if you take him off his methadone, he'll end up back on gear and then he'll kill himself or he'll smoke somebody. So I'm keeping him on the methadone. Now, see what methadone, I think. So the, the pharmaceuticals for years were looking at a drug making billions in the country, in the world, and they weren't making any money of it. Now with methadone, they're in the market. Now they're saying, are you telling me they can't make a methadone that's not addictive? They can't make something to take you off heroin that's not addictive? that they can give you for three weeks and you're off the heroin and you're not strung out on methadone. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, of course you could do it. Brian Penny said about methadone, you just you I don't know. live, you just exist on yeah. it, he was saying. Now, it, it is a good thing if you genuinely want to stop because, like, I went over to Thailand. Oh, Jesus, man. I, want to see, I went over to a Buddhist monastery, no methadone, no nothing. She used to give you a drink. All these, we, we, about 20 of us kneeling in a row, right? And we... The, these monks would come, they give you this little drink of black, this black hair, it's made all different hairs and shit. And you drink it, and everybody had a bucket of water beside them with a ladle, right? So these buses would pull in, all these school kids, and they come out with their cameras, they're all taking photographs. This is what you end up like if you're an addict, right? Mm. So we drink this thing, and then we drink the water, and then you're vomiting, vomiting, like projectile vomiting to get the toxins out of your body. No, no methadone, no, no. Hardcore. That's, that's how I try to, to, to come off the gear. But, it's very hard. It's tough. Like, I remember I had to sign a form 
to say that if I died, do you know, the thing that wasn't their responsibility. And a man said to me, he used to come into me in the street and put a mirror in front of me to see if I was still alive. Because he said, we didn't think you were going to make it. You were that fucking bad when you came in. So methadone makes it easier. If you do it right, do you know what I mean, to come out. But what they're doing now, they're putting them on maintenance courses where you're just giving methadone for the rest of your life kind of thing. Now, if you want to stay off heroin, and you can do it and you can make a stable life out of it. Do you know what I mean? Because you, be, you don't be mad stoned on it, yeah. methadone. Do you know what I mean? And it is the better of two evils, but it's still an evil. Yeah. But it's the better of the two evils. And it is a good way of cushioning the withdrawal of the, the heroin. If, if it's done right, you know. But you need, it's not just the methadone, you need a lot of heavy counselling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you see, what happens is when you come off the heroin, you're back to where you were when you started. Before yeah. why you so why did you take it? Yeah. You need to sort that out. So it's a lot more than just substance abuse. When, when you, sort out, inside, yeah. you need to sort out where you took it in Go the first place. That because that yeah. feeling that you fucking took it for is going to come back to you. Yeah. So you need to sort that feeling out. And you need to wake up in the morning and be happy enough in your skin that you don't need to take out. So I mean, that's all I need today, and a cigarette. I shouldn't even smoke cigarettes, but that's a bottle of water and cigarettes. Because... Yeah, you just have a better life. It's you know, I can sit here, I'm not thinking, wish Jesus holy, I have to get out and score. I remember like we'd be, we'd be, I thought you about the man United thing, we'd be doing gigs and stuff or rehearsing. That's why I was from now about nine years ago. Because I'd be sick and I'd go to rehearsal, I'd go to get gear. What's going who's gonna win? Mm. Rehearsal can go fuck itself, you know what yeah. I mean? I'm going to get, now as soon as I got the gear, I'd be, oh, yeah, yeah, let's rehearse. So Helen used to remind me of uh, this is what I felt like. You know, a hamster on one of those rings, right? So I'm on the fucking wheel and I'm flying right and I, and I take the heroin and slows now and then I can rehearse and I did. Right? But then the heroin wears off and the wheel starts spinning again. You're going. And that's constant for fucking years and years and it's just oh, you just it's just fucked up, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. sad where it can bring you, but even just it talking is sad. about it. Yeah. Families are devastated, you know. That, that That's the thing, it's repercussions. It's not, it's not just you that deteriorate. It's devastating. Families. You know what killed me, right? So, well, I told you I was right, you know. So, what happened this bloke fucking, he sent me for a bottle of coke and then when I came back, he brought me and he, he stripped me, took me laces out, tied me to a chair and fucking lashed me out. I was only six at the time, right? So, he had an orgasm that day, right? That's what, that's what this was all about. His orgasm has rippled into me, right? All the damage I done to all the band by not being who I should have been. All of their families were affected. All because he had one, one orgasm. Yeah. Mm. Through, do you know what I'm saying? Through mm. the years, all the damage that has done. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking, oh, it's fucking horrible. Mm. It's fucked up, man. But uh, you mentioned the rehab centres there. Yeah. yeah. Like, I have, I have uh, a mate of mine come up to me and he told me he was going into rehab and he was looking forward to getting off the stuff and whatever. And I said, fair play, that'll be the best thing you'll ever do. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And I seen him a couple of weeks later and I said, how come you're out already? He said, I was in there, people selling drugs, people doing drugs, they're only in there to it's reduce, reduce that sentence yeah. or go off with yeah. that sentence, get yeah. suspended. Yeah. But there are, some, there are some good ones. Yeah, what I it. think is they should have a rehab for people who are facing sentences yeah. and, a, and a rehab for people who are Absolutely. not up But that's what I'm saying about it's disgraceful, the, 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 the recovery programs that are out there mm. they're so little of them. and the people that are doing them do have their best interests at heart but they're working under very fucking strenuous yes. you know circumstances and it's tough you know you're right you're bang on right what you're saying it's 100% you should do similar to what you do on the Mount Joy so I used to go into Mount Joy to do gigs all the time well, when they were going to do gigs so I remember getting off at gear in Mount Joy do you know what I mean and uh, I just had to stop because you know so we started doing the training unit 
Because the training unit is no drugs. That if you want to stay away from drugs in Mountjoy, that's where you go. So then I start doing the now I just gig the training unit. Do you know what I mean? Because I know there's going to be no drugs in there. And these are people that genuinely are trying to stay away from the whole thing, you know. Mm, yeah. And like if you really want it, you have to want it. But it's tough, you know. And why what I'm saying is, why go there? Like, I'm not saying to pick kids out there, listen, 50% of you are going to end up like I just said. A hundred percent of you are going to end up yeah. what I just said. It's, it's, there's nobody gets out of that. Nobody, nobody, nobody comes out of it easy. You're either going to end up in fucking bits doing what I had to do to come off it. Why go there? Just mm-hmm. don't fucking start. Do you know what I mean? I think that's why we need education. People like you, yeah. people like Will Awey, yeah. people out there who can give first-hand experience yeah. and not these. I don't mean to put anybody down, but these people who haven't lived the life, it's hard to take advice from someone who who hasn't been there. That's why NA works, you know, at night. Yeah. Like, that's why that works. Because when you're in there, there's other addicts there, you know, and they're all talking. And when somebody comes in and they start bullshitting, you can't fool a fool who's fooled millions. Because mm-hmm. all the tricks they're trying, you've done a thousand bleeding yeah. times yourself. Do you know what I mean? Snap out of it, you dope. Like, do you really want to give? And that's the way it is. And because of that, it really works. If you, and if the meetings are, the meet, I, I, amazing. I say to Cam, the meetings are brilliant. But what I find sometimes at the meetings is, like when someone is telling a story about something, I go, Jesus, I must have even been that bad. Because they have a dog rough. Every, exactly. Well, see, see what you're saying there, right? When I was on heroin, I used to, I used to smoke it. And I used to look at people on the needle. Say, well, I'm not bad. Look at that cunt on the needle. Mm. Then I got on the needle, right? And I said, well, I'm not bad. They're banging into their groin. I'm only doing my arms. I ended up going my neck. Do you know what I mean? I think of it. I ended up worse than everybody I ever looked down on. Do you know mm. what I mean? So that's bullshit. But you do do that. Yeah. But, and you, people say to me, oh, well, you know, and then you get these dopes. You get dopes everywhere, you get flawed people everywhere. If you're in it for the right reasons, there are good people in that organisation who genuinely are, are there for recovery. Mm. Stick with, that's why they stick with the winners. Yeah. That's why they say that. Gen, the, I, I said it before the camp, they're the most genuine people yeah. that have ever met me. Look, they they yeah. genuinely want to help you. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you see, you, you keep your recovery by giving it away. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's, because there's nothing, like, I would if, say it was me and you are strung out, right? Mm. And I'm not just saying this. I would rather take heroin than see you taking it. Mm. Do you know? Because I want to, to other people to be recovering. I don't want them to have to go through the shit I went through. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's why you want to help people. Yeah. And it gives you self-esteem. Because a lot of, a lot of the drug thing is about self-esteem. You know, you low, low self-esteem. and You feel vulnerable. Yeah. I, remember, like, I remember we were number one in Ireland with the album. I remember trying to walk into the shop to get 20 smokes and... I hadn't the fucking, I felt so vulnerable, you know what I mean, self-conscious. Anxious and all Yeah, like. and I couldn't, and I'm, the album's number one. And because you're on a stage, you know, it's nothing to do with life, do you know what I mean? In life it's different, real life is different. Sort of with the autopilot on the stage. Then. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you're, well, in, you're on the stage you can kind of be all the things you can't be when you're mm-hmm. in, 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 yeah. in life. But, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough one. And, you know, you lots have seen, as I said, because if any, if any, Society has seen it more than anywhere. It's the inner city, you know, it's been fucking ravaged by it. And Fingless is the same now. Look at that council I was telling you, I turned to last week. He was talking about this particular area where they're all selling crack at the moment. And the police just put a cordon. He says, right, we don't even go in there. And you just have, there's about three streets. You know, I won't say the names of them because I don't want to, I'm not putting advertising yeah. for the fuckers. So the police don't go in there. And the, the, the addicts go in and do their business and you know, now they'd catch them going in or out if they have anything, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you used to just stay in there and use in there, and you know. Yeah, now there's the a lot of problems. Just, but it's, you know, to me, what the police are doing is fucked up as well because it's like the scooters, you know, the, you know the, the scramblers years ago. 
So in Finglas, those you're not allowed to have a scramble on the road. It's yeah. illegal to have it. So the police kind of turned a blind eye. Now they're just everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Like you heard about that bloke in Darndale. Remember the boy yeah. on his head. So what the police did, he let the little things go. Like in Finglas, he let the bloke sell the grass at the shops. You know, it's only grass. Now they're selling crack at the shops. Do you know mm. what I mean? You have to nip it in the fucking bud. You know, these scooters are the same. The electric scooters, they're illegal, but they're letting everybody run right with them. Mm, this is the thing. So, the problem there is the preventative stuff, Christy. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, there's a couple of problems when you were talking about. So, you were saying, yeah, the, the, the guy that won't go in there, but they'll stop the addicts coming out with the crack on them. Yeah. So, now that addict who is an addict and they're strung out and they need that, they're going to get a conviction by having possession. Plus, they're going to want more when they take that off. That as well. Yeah. yeah. So, that's adding to a problem. And then another thing is the preventative stuff. So, you were saying, you know, you have that, that void in you, that hole, that feeling that you yeah. can't get rid of. How are you going to cope with it? And you were saying, you, you turned to heroin and you were saying there should be alternatives. There should be like more counselling services. Exactly. People should be aware, like, do you know what? If you don't feel right, you don't have to go to a substance. You yeah. can go to a person instead. I have a brother who's a child psychologist, right? And he was telling me, we were talking about paedophiles one day, right? So he was saying to me, he's got this paedophile years ago. He's doing life for more than a few kids, right? In the States. But when he was in jail, he wanted to find out why he was like this because for some reason they can't treat paedophilia. Like, no matter what they've done with paedophiles, they can't cure it. Do you know what I mean? There's no... It's in them. They, yeah, they've tried everything to try and fucking get it out of them. They, they, they can't do it. They're just, just the way they are. Anyway, so <laughs> this bloke wanted to... He didn't know. He said, look, I, I, I am into kids, you know. He said, I walk by a school and I get a horn looking at the kids. He said, but I don't want to be like that. Kind of, I didn't want to be like that. It was just the way I was. So... They brought him to a schoolyard in a car, schools and these all these psychologists. And they got him to pick out 10 kids in the schoolyard that he would go for as a paedophile. So tell me the 10 kids. Him, the red jumper, him with the blue coat. Picked out 10, right? The 10 of the kids he picked out all come from broken homes and, fuck, you know, real dodgy fucking backgrounds, you know, mixed, yeah. fuck, dysfunctional backgrounds. These people have an antenna for it. Do you know what I mean? They, they know who to pick. Mm. The guy that picked me on my road, I was the eldest boy in my family, right? I had kids living all around me who had big brothers. Never touched any of them. He knew me. He knew I had nobody to fight for me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. These know who to go for. And it's the same with fucking addiction. So you get people in the schools, they know the kids that are going to end up. You need, you could pick out, I, I could, I could pick out, if I go to a school today, with 13, 14 year old, I can need to pick out the kids are going to end up strung out. Highest chance, anyways, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So what you do is you you, you try and you get in there before preventative. You try and get them some sort of counselling, get them to build their self esteem. Yeah. Intervention. That's what you know. But that's that. That all costs. You need. It's not even a money thing. It's a will to do it. You need the government to, to willing to do it. 100%. So you really need all these. Top politicians out, all their sons to get strung out and their daughters. It's the and only time then, then maybe something to be done about it because otherwise it's just going to go on and on. It's going to get worse and worse. And that cordon I was talking about in Finglas is going to become all the Finglas. And then it'll be all of Dublin. Then it'll be all of fucking Ireland. When, when does it stop? When do we stop it? When it's all of fucking Europe? Don't you know? Hmm. Hey, man, come on. Like, I, it's not as if they don't know what the result of it. Like, I'm telling you, is. From experience, they know the, from experience what, what's down the road. We we go there, stop the fucking thing. Yeah, but they, they have to have a will to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. They're all they're onto their pensions and all that bollocks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they're not walking out and seeing it every day, Christy. That's the thing. Yeah, but see, another thing is when they get into power, I've seen it with politicians. Not all of them, but a lot of them. As soon as they get into government, 
he changed up yeah, not changed, you know what I mean? Then, yeah. Because now yeah. they're in penny, they don't want to, you know, they had a pension and all that bollocks, you know. Yeah. I think the we politics should have a lawyer now. Yes! Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, if I was going to say, jump into a few little quick fire questions. Yeah, that's what I was going to do, yeah. But yeah, I was going to say, Christy sings a song by him. Right, come on, what do you want me to sing? So, right. so this is this is a song, this was written by Eric Bogle, right? So he's a Scottish bloke, lives in Australia. And he wrote, this is Waltzing Matilda, or not Waltzing Matilda, he wrote Waltzing Matilda as well, but Greenfields of France, right? So I was doing an album with Finbar Fury, and I was, you know, I was talking about the song because we were doing it, you know. And uh, he, was, he, he met Eric Bogle. You know, when he was touring Australia and he was talking about the song. So when Eric Bogle was 14, he was living in Scotland, right? And he went on a student's break to France. So he was staying in these, these realms, these fucking uh, lodgings or whatever. And he robbed a bottle of wine over and got locked. So they wouldn't let him back into the gaff that night because he was pissed. So we jumped over a wall and fell asleep, you know, in a field. And when he woke up, he was at the grave of Willie McBride. And that's where he wrote. So that's how we wrote. And he didn't write the song when he was 14. So years, that kind of was on his mind. Yeah. I was, so years later, he wrote, you know, because uh, I see where your grave's so on your own. Yeah. That's where all that came. I thought, was this not originally a poem? No, you're talking a, about Walter Matilda. Are you sure about now? He's walking through the graveyard and he sees the... Well, if that's... Whoever thought that was bollocks, because... Yeah. Talking bollocks, they were. It could, it could have been. I'm nearly sure I was told that in skills. Yeah, yeah. No, well, this, listen to this. That was well, this is what Fembar Fury told me that yeah. a, a man that wrote it told him, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they told him I'm talking bollocks. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> right, well, we, could, we do Willie McFloyd, yeah? Yeah, give it to us there, Chris. Well, how do you do, young Willie McFloyd? Do you mind if I sit here down by your graveside and rest for a while neath the warm summer sun? I've been walking all day and I'm nearly done. I can see by your gravestone you were only 19 when you joined the Great Fallen in 1916. Well, I hope you died well and I hope you died clean. Young Willie McBride, was it slow and obscene? Did they beat? The drum slowly, did he play the fife lowly? Did they sound the dead march as they lowered you down? And did the band play the last post and chorus? And did the pipes play the flowers of the forest? Did you leave ere a wife or a sweetheart behind? In some faithful heart is your memory enshrined, although you died back in 1916. In that faithful heart, are you forever 19? Or are you a stranger without even a name, enclosed down forever behind the glass pane? On an old photograph, torn, battered and stained And faded to yellow in a brown leather frame Did they beat the drum slowly? Did he play the fife lowly? Did they sound a dead march as they lowered you down? And did the band play the last post and chorus? And did the pipes play the flowers? Of the forest, well, the sun, how it shines on the green fields of France. There's a warm summer breeze, makes the red poppies dance. And look 
how the sun shines from under the clouds. There's no gas, no bad wire, there's no gun fighting now. But here in this graveyard, it's still no man's land. The countless white crosses stand mute in the sands. And to man's blind indifference to his fellow man, to a whole generation that were butchered and damned, did they beat the drum slowly? Did he play the fife lowly? Did they sound the dead march as they lowered you down? And did the band play the last post and chorus? And did the pipes play the flowers of the forest? Well, Willie McBride, I can't help wondering why. Do those that lie here know why did they die? And did they believe when they answered the call? Did they really believe that this war would end wars? Well, the sorrow, the suffering, the glory, the pain, the killing and dying was all done in vain. For young Willie McBride, it's all happened again And again and again and again and again Did they beat the drum slowly? Did he play the fife lowly? Did they sound the dead march as they lowered you down? And did the band play the last post and chorus? And did the pipes play the flowers? Of the forest. Oh, I thought the mic was down. I'm singing over there. The ears were closed. Sorry about Hopefully that. Hopefully, I picked up all right. Anyway, Did you pick that up there. That pick up all right, please. Yeah. Right, bye. Well, we weren't going to ask him to do it again anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll deal. It'll deal. Are you big into history, Christy? Yeah. Yeah. Favorite subject in school. History. Yeah. I love history. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. Uh, Great. I would just say that was unbelievable. Fuck me, man. I'm at the house. History was history self. Yeah. See what's happening now with Putin and all. He's doing exactly what Hitler done back in the fucking 40s. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Invading countries outside his own country, you know, and trying to imperialise the whole world again, which is gone. That imperialism is gone. See, see, when Hitler done that, the Brits had owned all of Canada and Australia and Africa. And then Hitler said, well, I'm going to take over Poland. Oh, you can't do that. Yeah. Well, you started taking over fucking Africa. Fuck off. Do you know what I mean? That's what was kind of going on then. People yeah. don't see it that way. That was called the... Because the, the winners write the history. Yeah, it's appeasement, that is. I will let them have that because you want to win more. Yeah. But then when they do that... Well, you see, what, what caused the Second World War was the First World War. Yeah. Because the, part, the, the Treaty of Versailles was so hard on the Germans. They were, like, they were going with barrels of money. Yeah. Real barrels full of money to get a loaf of bread. Yeah. Money was that worthless. Do you know what I mean? Because like of the inflation. Millions yeah. of Deutschmarks mm. to buy a loaf of bread. Mm. Inflation gone so high. And the, the Hitler was saying, look at why are we doing this? Because some war that happened 20 fucking years ago. Do you know what I mean? So that's how we got to the end. Because I used to wonder, how did he get them on board to do the evil? Like what he'd done to the Jews was awful. Do you know what I mean? So I used to wonder, how did he get a whole nation to turn against another nation like that? That's how he done it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Because the oppression that they were, yeah. And this, you know, Putin is kind of, so his history just repeats itself a lot. We're saying that so we're uh, doing a heavy shit. Yeah. <laughs> the next song though, the next song you mentioned there was Waltz and Matilda, because that, that also stands from World War One as well. Yeah, so that's another Eric Bauer wrote the two songs. Yeah. So we'll do a bit of that just for a crack. Do you want to give us a background to that one? Do you know what about that? But no, it's just it's just an anti-war song, so it's um 
Do you know what Walter Matilda is? No. It's well, like it's like. When I was a young man, I carried me pack, and I lived the fair life of a rover. From Murray's Green Basin to the dirty outback, I waltzed my Matilda all over. Then in 1916, my country said, son, it's time to stop your rambling. There's work to be done. So they gave me a tin hat and they gave me a gun and they sent me away to the war. And the band played waltzing Matilda as the ship Pulled away from the quay, but amid all the cheers, flag waving and tears, we were sailed off to Gallipoli. Tis well I remember that terrible day when our blood stained the sand and the water. And in that hellhole they called Suvla Bay, we were butchered like lambs to the slaughter. Johnny Torkey was ready, he primed himself well. He rained us with bullets and he showered us with shell. And in five minutes flat, we were all blown to hell. Nearly blew us back home to Australia. And the band played waltzing Matilda as we stopped to bury our slain and we buried ours and the talks buried theirs then it started all over again well those that were living they tried to survive in this mad world of blood death and fire and for ten weary weeks i kept myself alive though the corpses around me piled higher then a big Turkish shell blew me arse overhead and when I awoke in my hospital bed and I saw what it done, oh, I wished I was dead. Never knew there were worse things than dying. So no more I'll go waltzing, Matilda, across the green bush far and near for the hump tent and pegs, a man needs both legs. No more waltzing, Matilda, for me. So now every April I sit on my porch and I watch the parade pass before me. I see my old comrades, how proudly they march, renewing past dreams of past glories. And the old men march proudly, all bones stiff and sore. They're forgotten heroes from a forgotten war. And the young people ask, what are they marching for? And I ask myself the same question. And the band played waltzing Matilda, and the old men still answered the call. But year after year, their numbers get fewer. Someday no one will march there at all. Waltzing Matilda, Waltzing Matilda, 
who'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me, and their ghosts can be heard as they march past the billabong. Who'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me. It's a great song. So you ask the background, so it's all Australians had to go to talk. I know, I know it. So my granddad fought in Gallipoli. Did he? Dad's dad. He fought in Gallipoli. And that's why I think that resonated with me when yeah. I heard those songs. So my dad was telling me, you know, when he, so Churchill had bombarded the defences, the Turkish defences. So he said to the troops, when they were bombarding the book Yeah. He done that a month before. So he'd re-established re- that defences. So they sent the Irish in first. They were like sandbags. So they used to hide, they'd get shot, they used to hide around their dead bodies and shoot them. So over a thousand people in George Fuse lives, I think it was, my granddad was in, 11 of them came back and my granddad was one of them, right? Fucking but hell. you know, they come in on the landing craft and they're about four foot water and they jump out and to run in. There was barbed wire under the water. So they were all caught in the barbed wire and the trucks were just picking them off. Do you know what I mean? So when my granddad came back, he was off his trolley, he was fucking mad. Do you know mm. what I mean? So my dad said, like, his dad was an alcoholic. So he just. He never passed down any stories or anything from it? No, but he passed down addiction. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's just passed through generations. Mm. There you go. Anyway, it's frightening. Like, I see all the addiction in this country. You know all the mothers' homes and all from years ago? Mm. All that abuse, all the abuse. That's the scars of that are coming back to haunt us now. All that karma. And that's what addiction is all about. All that suffering that people went on. You know, it's carried through the generations. 100%. That when it's like, we need to sort those things out, you know. Yeah. We'll, we end. Anyway, stop us all. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do a few quick questions, What's your favourite song to perform? Uh, I think probably Waltzing Matilda. Yeah. I love doing that. And I, well, I love this song we have called Broken Soul. I love doing as well. But Aslan songs, they change all the time. Do you know yeah. What I mean? so, Who's the most famous person you ever met? David Bowie. Um, Paul McCartney. Um, who else? Sorry. Mm, favourite of you? I've met Freddie Mercury. We were doing a studio in um, London, and we were in one, we were in the studio, and they were in, they were in the other studio, recording at the time. You know, so I've met a few. You know, but sometimes you don't want to meet famous people. You usually end up being fucking ages. You know, well, right? one of them down me to her those kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that happens quite mm. a bit. You know, mm. yeah. your favourite venue to play? Vicar Street, brilliant venue, amazing venue. The Cock Opera House is great, but Vicar Street is great. Yeah, great place to play. Other ones it didn't come up with many. What if you were on death row? What meal would you have? <laughs> It's a good oh, one, no? Oh, no, haven't I? <laughs> haven't that one? Singapore noodles with just chicken <laughs> and veg and chilli, you know, the chilli sauce. Yeah. Loads of that. Yeah. Singapore noodles and death row? Yeah. Anything in the world, Christy? Yeah. Did you want to have something about songs? I'm an easy, I'm an easy man to feel. What did I have? I dropped my pen. Remember you won the award for the best haircut as well? Yeah. Well, did you hear about that? I did. Yeah. Well, yeah. You sound like about that, yeah. So what you call him? That's um, Warren in Dublin Barbers. And yeah, he and always texts me to say that he, he does your he, hair, yeah. Warren's cool, he's a good bloke. Bl- 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 and another bloke, working class bloke, fingers at the home album himself. Yeah. He does a lot of footballers' hairs and stuff, you know. Yeah. Mm. He does that, yeah, man, Colin Robinson, you know, all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's a great great barber, he's amazing. Uh, so what, what was one earlier I was talking about? Is there, is there a song out there that you think is brilliant, you wish you wrote it? Oh, loads, Jesus. Loads of songs. This is your top three. Our top um, three, baby. There's a song by Peter Gabriel, Don't Give Up. He sings it with, with uh, um, what's her name? Kate Bush. In this proud land we grew up strong. Did you ever hear it? It's an amazing song. It's called Don't Give Up. That, I'd love that. I'd love to have written, written that. 
There's a few Oasis, there's a couple of their songs that they love to write, you know, because they have some amazing songs. Mm. And then Pink Floyd have a song called Comfortably Numb, I'd love them to write. Low, I could sit here all day talking about songs, but they're, they're, they're the three off the top of my head. Mm. There's a song by a guy called Leo Sarr. It's got, everybody knows down Ladbrook Grove, you got to leap across the street. Great song, I'd like to write that as well. And is there anyone out there that you wish about to perform with, past or present? Because you, play, you played far about we didn't you? Yeah. Um, who else? Not really, no. You know, because anytime we play around, I want to blow them off the stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm going to blow these off the stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you don't want to, and I, don't, I wouldn't need to do that with somebody that I like. Do you know what I mean? Do you listen to any other sh- sh- Yeah, there's a lot. Artists now. I love Versatile. Um, yeah. Um, Shout out to the boys, <laughs> legends. I love um There's a band called Vinci. So I was in the gaff one day, and this friend, this woman I knew from years ago, rang me and said, "This is my son. He's in a band, and he's great, and he can't catch a break. It's not you could do." And I said, "Come here, and I tell you." I says, "I used to have a singing skill." I says, "And I'd get a phone call off a woman. She'd be like, I have a daughter, she's fourteen. She's the next Whitney Houston. Why ain't you hear her singing?" So I'd book an, an audition, and I could be waiting Tuesday. I can't wait to hear this one. Only come in, she wouldn't have a note or a bleeding head. And I'd be, and the owner would be going, and I'd be going, What are you fucking hidden? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but and so I was saying to this woman, I said, You're you're his mother. I said, You're hidden shit, we don't hear, you know. Yeah, you were biased. I said, I said, I said, I said like, I'm gonna be honest, I said, don't ask me because I don't give anybody bad up. I can't I can't understand when somebody gives somebody bullshit opinions because you're not giving doing them any favors. If you say that's great and it's not, they're gonna continue in that vein and they're not gonna go anywhere. So yeah. It usually breaks down. People ask for their opinion, they usually don't really want it. They want you to just tell them they're great. You yeah. know what I mean? So I said this all to her. So I said, look, send me a tape or a song. So she sent me a song called Lion by Vinci. Check it out on YouTube after the show. And the minute I heard it, I rang. So we were playing in um, the Ivy Gardens about a month later. I said, did you ask me if he wants to support us in the Ivy Gardens? So they've gotten to support us and they've played the Ivy Gardens. Listen to this though. Walked off the stage after our gig, they'd gone on and they walked off, and they're all crying at the back of the stage. And I go, oh, we're not bad, kind of joking. The singer's father died of a heart attack at the fucking gig. Fuck and you fucking God, believe geez. the biggest day of his life, do you know what I mean? Playing, you know, in the Ivy Gardens, and his father had a heart attack at the gig. A uh, fucking heart broke from. But anyway, so I'm trying to get them on the Tree Arena gig, you know, but that, great band. Check out that song. And out there, you in Listenerville, check out Vinci Lion. They're just amazing. And you know what I like about the singer? He sounds like an old singer, an old fashion. He can yeah. sing. There's no but there's no you know what this this you know this computer you put on the yeah, voice down. None of that. He's just a good singer. That's what I like about him. Well, we have one of our own from uh, day one. Have you heard that Gemma Dunleavy? Yeah. Unbelievable, isn't she? Yeah. There's some great yeah, she's good. Yeah. She's unbelievable. There's some great people out there, and that's what, you know. See, do you know what one thing I love about Ireland is we're five million people, so we're about the same as Manchester. Mm. Population wise, and look what we have given the world in music, in literature, and you know, like for the nation, our size, we box above our weight, and all those things, even in rugby. Like, we've won the best rugby teams in the world, a little country of five million people, and we're beating England with what 70 million people. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, we, we can be very proud of what we do here, and like, you can't you can hardly go anywhere in the world without meeting Irish people, you know. There's an Irish bar in every country yeah. in the world, and that's what that's. that's like we're a great nation, we're a great nation. And you know, sometimes you get caught up on the negative, like we were talking about earlier on. And I, I love being Irish, I love the fact of it. But sometimes when things are happening government-wise, I think, what am I proud of being? Yeah. Why am I mm-hmm. proud of this country? I am proud of the country and the people, but usually the people, I often think of Patrick Pierce 
and all those people who died, and they must be spinning in their fucking graves looking at the shit that's going on in this country at the moment. You know what I mean? Mm. You're talking about history, you know? Yeah. Anyway, no badness. All happy, happy, happy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Any more, Terence? Any oh, more? Yeah, that's the quick fire's over, anyway. Yeah. I know I'm, you're going to leave here, and I'm like, you should have fucking asked oh, no. that. It's a cunt, isn't it? Yeah. We'll just go and remember the poetry. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Chrissy, thanks okay. for coming no, in. No, no, You're a busy fella now. We need to shoot off. It's always a pleasure. Wrap this one up. 71. Done. Episode. Take us out, Kino. Boom. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? What you back in The hip knocker. Go down, go down, go down.